Hi, everyone. Welcome to What's Your Favorite Scary Movie, our show about the best horror films. I'm Shani B. And I'm Roberts. And today we're talking about a movie and franchise that means so much to both of us. And um, it's inspired the name of our show, The Scream Franchise. Yes, just in time for the newest edition and reboot Scream out this Friday. So let's just start at the beginning. Tell me about your relationship with this franchise and these films. Let's go. Well, I fucking love this movie. I definitely, I mean, as I look up at the big poster, uh, frame poster of Scream, and then I have a mini one signed by Wes Craven. So cool. And I just got a stab poster, which like I'm in love with. Awesome. I'm a huge fan of this movie. It it just I love it a lot. I think that, you know, we were at such a young age when it came out and 96 was what, like 10 years old? Uh, about 11 years old. I'm only I'm nine. I was 10. So you're nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was 10. So good times. I definitely love this movie a lot. The older I get, it definitely makes me appreciate horror movies more because you see all the Easter eggs that were written into this script. Yes. Paying homage to movies prior to this. So even now I'm like, oh, this is yes paying homage to this movie or this movie. So it's definitely something that I think that, yeah, I just love it. Holds a special place in my heart. What about you? Same, exactly the same. And I think you nailed it. You know, this movie is so important that I think it will be timeless in terms of its entry into the horror genre. You know, it's the one movie that's able to talk about and identify all of the tropes. And it doesn't do that from the beginning. So it doesn't have to be like the first slasher or any of that stuff. It's like the first movie that could really take horror into a place of reality where people talked about it and participated in it in a realistic way that as I famously love to say, was not just about boobs and blood, you know, was about so much more. And man, this movie is huge in terms of my development as a human being. So so much of my life is wrapped up in the way I see this movie and in kind of how I see the world. You know, I like to comment on everything. I'm a Gemini after all. So this is made for me essentially yeah i'm I, we'll go, when we move into scream 2 i'm like i'll talk about how much i love that one but yeah scream definitely kicked it off for me um i was a huge horror movie fan before and even now it's like it's funny because i i i don't hate to say it, but when people are like what's your favorite scary movie i hate i almost hate to say scream because i think it's a really easy one for some people to be like oh scream totally but i'm like it is really good like the older i get and the more i watch it like when we see Drew Barrymore on screen. I'm like, it is just so good. Yes. just It's just so good. I mean, it holds up incredibly. And a big part of that is because of those characters, because of the quality of the Scream film and franchise. You know, they not only are they about more than your standard horror movie, but they're also like at a higher caliber in terms of filmmaking. You know, Wes Craven, he was learning his craft for like 20 years before he made Scream and put everything he ever learned and all his strengths into what I think is his best movie because it strikes a middle balance where it needed to be directed by a big wig, but it feels neutral enough to not just be for, you know, fans of Freddy or slasher fans, you know, like. My mom saw this movie and she was like, wow, that was a really scary movie. Yeah, I remember seeing it. And the thing is, I'm, I I don't think I saw it the first night. I remember. I, I'm trying to think back to it. I remember going, I remember where I sat, funny enough. It wasn't the front row. Mm-hmm. I remember it was a packed theater. So I don't think it was the first night. But I remember being like, oh, shit, Drew Barrymore died. I remember that was the first movie I saw where I was like, oh, I I thought it was about her in the trailer, I thought that she was in it with that other brunette. Mm. And now that she's gone, who's the main character? I remember being thrown off like that. Well, I am a child of television. So I was also always obsessed with knowing people's names, even when I was that small. And I remember in my fifth grade class talking with CJ Waldron about the trailer when we had seen it on TV. And we were both like, our parents will probably let us go see it because we both had divorced parents. So each of us would do weekends with that parent who a lot of the time took us to movies. And I was not going to be able to see this in the theater, but I was grandstanding. And we did, however, have a hot box. 
So the second this movie was on HBO, I watched it, uh, which would have been like right before my 10th birthday, probably. Oh, yeah. And it was so scary. You didn't see this in movie theater? I mean, you probably have now. Yes, yes. Now I've seen like, um, you know, re-releases and stuff like that. But I was only able to see Scream 3 in the theater. I couldn't get anybody to take me or anybody to let me sneak in to those first two. I just look way too young. Sorry, sir. She's she's pretty young. Yeah, definitely loved it in theaters. I mean, what were some moments that really stood out to you in like Scream 1? I guess definitely the I think the the world itself you know like what Woodsboro is all about and the people in it you know I like that this is a story about a group of friends but it's it is a bigger world because you know to have a character like Gail Weathers be central is kind of amazing you know like these kids are in high school and they're just chill but they're also connected to the police because we have Dewey and they're connected to the greater world because we have Gail so I just feel like I have to say something for how great the world is constructed and how good these characters are You know, like, I love the way this group of friends all hangs out at the fountain and we get a little bit more from each of them about, you know, the kind of kids they are. That's one of my favorite scenes that. Yes. That amazing fountain scene where they're all just like eating lunch and being really 90s. I love that one. Yeah. What I really liked about it was that I guess there were, I mean, I still hope for this right now that we got all of this backstory Mm -hmm. with. Sydney Prescott I always look at it now and I'm like there's little moments where I'm like I try and watch it like from the point of view of having never seen it before and I did this one time when I used to smoke I got so I was a little stoned and um I was like let me pretend to watch this movie like I've never seen it before and obviously I tripped myself out I had to stop the movie (laughs) during that first scene with Casey Becker but also trying to look at it like all right what information is given to me right away that I wouldn't know otherwise and just like that first scene where Sydney Prescott gets home from school. I'm like, why is she bugging so much, you know? Yeah. And then you find out, oh, her mom was raped a year before. Seriously. And killed. And now we're at that anniversary. So just like those little bits of detail they give us where I'm like, oh, does that have anything to do with it? Does this have anything to do with it? Yeah. And then just throughout the movie, I'm assuming this was Wes Craven. Yeah. Just them giving us those little moments because it's completely whodunit the entire time. But we always see brown shoes or shoes shots of the shoes so always like who is it who is it cell phone falling out now that i look at it i'm like no no i don't maybe you feel this way they gave us who the killer was at the very beginning of the movie with billy loomis yeah yeah coming out of the yeah coming in yeah after she's spooked and the killer's coming he jumps in through the window and the phone falls out i'm like how could we have not thought it was him the entire well that's the thing is that i think i can remember in real time many people being like i knew it was him it was like too yeah it was easy or whatever but i knew it was him he was there he's weird you know like there were a lot of people who because they read air harrington in the way that they did were waiting for him to still be the killer But I feel like there were also a lot of people who were like, it can't be him because he already went to jail and they let him out. And I think that's why later in the story, Sydney sort of comments on that and is like, you know, wouldn't it be funny if like you getting arrested was you proving you weren't the killer, but that, you know, that could be a calculated plan that he had in place. I think you're speaking to how good the writing and filmmaking are together. Yeah. Kevin Williamson is in the heat of his career right now, like killing it with the best writing ever dawson's creek is so effing good everyone loves it he's doing i know he did last summer in the faculty like the 90s are his time and he is just so good at making sure that none of these lines are wasted and Wes craven's doing the same with the filmmaking you know the most wasted thing is his little cameo dressed as freddie in the hallway right before the principal gets his yeah i love his cameo in it I love that we got a very clear first, second, third act. Yes. And I'm a huge fan of Courtney Cox. Oh. And I love that we got, I love that we got Monica Geller during this time. I love that we got Gail Weathers. I'm a huge Gail Weathers fan. It's almost kind of like she's the final girl in this too. So I yeah. think that, you know, as this franchise moves on as well, um, I definitely tried to dig into their relationship and see kind of like her journey yeah. and how we get her to, you know, scream for and kind of the path she took. Yep. But 
Yep. I love that she came out of this. Also, just how technology was used. Yeah. I think it's really interesting, too, because we do go through, I mean, at this point, it's decades now. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. just to go back to the early, I mean, I guess it's mid-90s at this point for the first one. But looking at what was available to her, cell phones weren't really a thing. They were a thing. They were they were, they were becoming a thing. Yep. Enough to the point where that cell phone didn't look like yep. a huge box. Right. It wasn't just plugged into the car. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't just plugged into the car. So it was really interesting seeing, you know, what was used yeah. to help drive this story in regards to technology and even as a tool for the killers, which I think is fascinating as we... I mean, again, it's the new ageness of it. Yes. Right? It's like, it is the ambassador that takes... It's the millennium. Yes. It takes horror from the place, you know, where it was born into a future with sophisticated audiences. And it sort of demands that of its audience and also can educate its audience. Because when I was young, I hadn't seen a lot of the movies that this movie referenced. And I was able to go and discover so much of horror because of this movie. And I think that is a unique piece here, too, that like there is a final girl because all horror movies need one. But you're right. This franchise is so amazing because it figured out a way to have three final girls including Dewey. Yeah. You know, like Dewey was dead in all of these movies and yet returns every single time. So there's something amazing about how this franchise could pull that off. Yeah. And it's crazy. I, I just watched Scream again and you can clearly tell when they added in that shot of like, hey, he's alive. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, just FYI. Just so you know, he's not going to speak or anything. He lived though. He lived. And I'm like, that's not the same. I loved that. I loved that the first scene with Drew Ugh. Barrymore, Casey Becker, was homage to it's like an early seventies movie with Caroline or Carol Kane. Uh, what when a stranger calls? Oh, okay. So it's it's calling on that. Yeah, which is it's kind of crazy. I don't know if you've seen the original When a Stranger Calls or the reboot. They're very different. They are very different. I saw the reboot, and I remember seeing the reboot and being like, not knowing it was a reboot. And being like, they just completely copied Scream. This is just Scream. Yes. And then not, and then doing more research as I get older, and I'm like, oh, that was actually paying homage to the Carol Kane version. Yeah, I mean, at a certain point in Scream One, he says on the phone, "Are you alone in the house?" Which is directly from When a Stranger Calls. And there is something really powerful about how right from the beginning we're in this space of paying homage, but we're also setting this insane trend of bringing like the biggest actress of the time and killing her immediately yeah that's something no horror movie did before or i guess like dared to do psycho yeah that's true that's true psycho good call good call but yeah you know like to even be able to tap something like psycho and to get in a space where again this movie's just so much better than any horror movie needs to be you know like yeah. A couple of kills here and there is all that the Saw movies get away with. And this one is just pristine. Yeah, it definitely made me think. And this happened with Open Sky or Big Sky. There was a TV show that just came out with Ryan. Yes. Felipe, mm -hmm. where they did that. So it's like now I have no, I have trust issues with all these Scream movies because I'm like, yes, like going into Scream 5 or Scream reboot, Scream 2021, 22. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I can't trust the trailer. No. Because I don't really know if there's added film in that or added scenes in that. Mm -hmm. Or I don't really, I'm looking at what people wear now. So it's definitely. Yeah giving me trust issues, but I just the most epic chase scene afterwards, you know, I was looking into this more 21 days of shooting, you know, that night scene. Wow. And it's like all had to be done at night, you know, it, they couldn't cheat it in a sense where yeah. we can put our drapes around the outsides of the house. Right. Yeah, we can make it dark. It's like a proper film, you know, like Wes Craven treats making horror movies like their prestige. And that works here because right from that opening scene to sort of like every chase that comes after, even something as simple as when she's in the bathroom at school and she kind of encounters those girls and then gets kind of chased out. It's like, I was afraid to go to the bathroom at school for such a long time because of that. The, the idea that you could go to school and still the killer could come and fuck with you there and I mean, it's kind of cool that he may kill your principal if your principal sucks, but 
even something as simple as that, as quick as that, really stuck with me. I was surprised that, you know, when I look at it now, like I think, in my opinion, the biggest loss was Tatum from Scream 1. I really wish she had not been killed. But when you look at the, the people who we did lose, the, there wasn't the body count, there wasn't that many people. And then the character, the significance of the characters wasn't super important to the storyline. Like we lost... Yeah. Casey Becker and Steve and the camera guy. What was the camera guy's name? Kenny. Poor Kenny. Kenny. <laughs> Kenny. But other than that, we didn't really, and then the killers, we didn't really lose anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess in this first one, you know, it really is just setting the scene, opening the world, because for the most part, the people we lose are maybe more indicative of cutting your teeth. You know, I think Casey and Steve are the first people because Billy and Stu have to try killing somebody to see if they can do it in this new way that isn't the way they murdered Maureen. You know, it's like they don't really know how to do this on Sydney yet. So maybe they just tried on Drew Barrymore and her boyfriend. Randy does make the comment, was that before or after she dumped you for Steve? So Stu is connected to her. Yeah. There's nothing that says that these characters aren't of importance. But that's, again, the great writing where it's like they don't seem like they're of importance but there was one line there is a detail yeah i mean i do wish that we eventually down the line get a prequel Ugh. i would love to go back to the year before scream to watch all of that stuff and you know what really threw me off before we pivot into scream 2 is you know when billy loomis is being interviewed mm -hmm. his dad had an affair with maureen prescott like how was that not brought up I guess that's something that maybe they didn't want to show us with the police, but his 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 dad did come in and they talked with him. So I think you're right about that piece where like they still have to keep a lot hidden from us, but it is amazing how much they're able, I guess, to play around with all those pieces. The biggest thing for me is I never thought there were going to be two killers. It never occurred to me that there could be two, that it wasn't just one person. And I think this movie also shocked me in that way where I was like, who's the killer? Oh my gosh, it's two people. They're unbeatable now. Yeah. I mean, it definitely broke down. Up until that point, it had always been like Demons or Jason or Freddy Krueger or, or one killer. But when you think about it, it almost has to be two. Especially here. To get everything done that it needs to, especially to throw everyone off. Right. But when you go back, whenever I go back and look at it now, I'm like, oh, I can tell exactly who killed who. Right. Yeah, it's so fun to do that because, again, when the writing is meaningful and you know that people thought about those questions, you know, they answered those questions, whether or not they got to shoot or write about them, then you have something to play with. And th that's why this is such a good franchise just overall, because not only is this movie tight as hell, but let's shift into Scream 2 because it's so fucking good and... I even love Scream 3 and 4. So let's move over into Scream 2. Scream 2, you know, it came out the following year in 1997. After the events at uh, Woodsboro, Sydney heads off to college. But as the film adaption of Gail's book, Stab Hits Theaters, the murders begin again. So where do you stand on this one? This one, I think, is like my favorite of the whole thing, just because it's so fun. She's at college. There's a lot going on. I don't know. It just is a little bit more playful than the first one. You know, the first one is still so scary and solid. This one's like a little fun. And I love that. I love that about this one. You know, it it's again, sort of like is right at a space where we're aspiring to be older. So I feel like that's why I liked it, too. And I feel like it's just as scary. There's some really scary scenes in this one. What about you? Where do you stand on Scream 2? I love this one. This one, to me, will all, every time I watch it, it just feels so fresh. I think it's because everyone had haircuts. Yes. Everyone was, it's a sequel. We're in college now. Mm -hmm. And I am super obsessed with, I wish they wrote a book. I wish there was a real book called The Woodsboro Murders that I could read. They should. I really wish I could have. I would have loved to have bought that. I Like I said, like I, my husband got me the Stab poster and I'm just so obsessed with Stab. I wish they'd come out with the Stab movie. Yes. I would have loved to have seen that. Yep. But I just love this one so much. It was a huge, I'm still a huge Sarah Michelle Gellar fan. Yes. So when I found out she was in this right after coming off of I Know What She Did Last Summer, I was like, I cannot wait. And I remember going to this first night front row with my cousins. I was so about this movie. So hell yeah, I really like it a lot. It's very, 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 very like millennium, like silvers, just the highlights. Yes. All of it. Yep. Yep. It is like you mentioned being a sequel, it gets to be a little bit 
chiller because it doesn't have the heavy lifting that an original film has or that the third chapter needs to have in a trilogy. So you can just settle into that fun and games part where everybody can have really cool new haircuts and think that they're turning over a new leaf. You know, we can meet new people that are really interesting and, you know, we can keep the the whole film referential thing alive and well as we explore the rules of a sequel. I love each of these movies because they're both more of the same, like the people in the world I want to be in, but they're also always new because there's a new like lesson plan each movie. <laughs> and I want to do the homework here. I don't want to do the homework for Marvel movies. You know? Yeah, agreed, agreed. What I can't figure out is what grade Sydney was in in Scream 1 and where she's at in Scream 2. Is she a freshman in college? Is it two years later? Is it a year later? Is she a freshman in college or a sophomore in college? Was she a junior or senior in high school? I feel like they were juniors because I feel like they can't turn around and make the movie version of what happened to her mom that quickly in the 90s. So I have to assume that she's in college and she's a freshman at college. So it's been like two years since the original, even though time in real life doesn't match that. Yeah, I was like, they flipped that movie out real fast. Yeah, they can't be seniors in that first one because they're not thinking about their future at all or talking about their future at all. Yeah. But they are talking about their past in a way where I'm sort of like, Sydney's mom's murder happened sophomore year. It just did. I just decided it did. Yeah. That's fair. Well, and it, it does fit the flow of everything, I guess, too. That makes, yeah, the most sense. But then there's little things where I'm like, how did you get the lead in that play in college? I mean, because you're that girl who almost got murdered one time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It'll bring people in. Yep. I mean, questions that questions this franchise gets to play with. It gets to play with this kind of fun because it's not doing the heavy lifting. And I love that there's so many good cameos. You know, we obviously get Sarah Michelle Gellar, like you mentioned, but like Joshua Jackson is in film class. Portia de Rossi and Rebecca Gayhart are at the sorority there's so many people here and it's so fun and jerry o'connell as her bf jerry o'connell is so sweet so sweet oh i love jerry o'connell also to continue what the first one did also opens murdering huge actors of the time how do you feel about the open of scream 2 with jada pinkett smith and mike epps is it mike epps fuck it's omar epps uh mike epps is a different actor sorry about that how did you feel about that opener? I loved it. I definitely, I just love the theater they went to. It's two different theaters, exterior versus interior. It's two different things. This one is in Hollywood. So I've been to it. Yes. But it's just a fun time. Like I wish there was premieres like that now. I've been to a couple screenings like that. They've got them. Really? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. They're really fucking fun. <laughs> I would love that. But also just kind of thinking about, I don't know. I'm just really obsessed with that scene because we got to see what a filmed version or fake version of Scream 1 looked like. Yes. And I just did that just kind of like you wouldn't know till you know that like you would you wouldn't trust that so you wouldn't think that someone's like getting mm -hmm. stabbed in this. This could happen to anyone. It's fucked up, but it could happen. And how long would it take for you to realize someone's getting murdered in front of you? Exactly. Exactly. That open is really strong because it was a situation where I thought they were sort of taking advantage of that idea that they might need to remind their audience of the movie that they're the sequel for. Because, you know, sequels to movies are still relatively new in the 90s, unlike today when they're making them all the time. And so they take us to the movies and we watch the first movie again, you know, as a movie, which is amazing. But I never could have known that the murder was going to take place at the movies. And the fact that it's a couple, like, again, just like in Scream 1, there's a boyfriend, but this boyfriend isn't tied up. Yeah. And still he gets it. I'm still kind of like, could you have died from a stab wound to the face like that? Yeah. I still, I always wonder that just like thinking, looking at it now. Yeah, you really can. You truly can. It's more about the blood in the brain than anything else. Oof. I mean, I do think about this one too, in that, you know, they had to do so many rewrites because of scripts getting leaked online. Right. So us not getting, you can still see in it, you know, the original killers in this were supposed to be what it was supposed to be. Mickey and Hallie. Like it would have been all three of them. The mom as well. And you can tell in certain scenes the way they react with each other that maybe those rewrites hadn't happened yet. That's kind of what's crazy. Because to me, it feels 
perfect. Yeah. Like, like I can remember leaving Scream 2, like after watching it with my friends and just being like, that is the best movie I've ever seen. You know, the first Scream was my favorite, but I just can't believe that this movie could be as good and a little bit better. Yeah. As a sequel. And I think that's because I was so shocked when they were like, yeah, we're going to grab Billy's mother. You know, like we've talked about how. So shocked. If you watch scary movies, you'd know Mrs. Voorhees is the killer. Jason doesn't show up till the sequel. And for that to sort of echo through this franchise from the first film all the way up into that big reveal, I was just like, holy shit, these people making this movie are fucking heavy hitters. And I am inspired and excited by these movies. And I just remember thinking like, oh, I hope they make a Scream 3. Please make a Scream 3. Like, I hope they never stop. I was still young you know i don't want them to ruin it today yeah but man i was so excited with with the reveal that it was billy's mother and you know like you said getting more of that backstory rather than something new yeah i was pretty i was so surprised when we found out it was mrs loomis of course i just watched that of course like i'm gonna keep saying i just watched this because i just watched all these over again there was a moment while watching Scream 2, though, where I was like, where Gail knew what was going on. She had been with Dewey and the sheriff yes. trying to piece together what was going on. And when she came out, Mrs. Loomis Debbie Salt. revealed the fact that Debbie, Debbie Salt, right, ended up saying something to Gail. And I'm like, how would you have known that? if she just found out in the police station. And I don't know if that was just, if that's not supposed to be some sort of like Easter egg or anything. Yeah, there's the great line where she says, I was just wondering because it's possible that if uh, the killer, you know, if the killings are about what happened in Woodsboro, then possibly the killer could be from Woodsboro. Yes, that is the line. And I just caught that this time. I'm like, who told her that? Oh my God, so you knew about this line? That's why I like these movies so much. Nothing is wasted. No line is in there for no reason. It's the one thing I really hope we're able to hold on to in number five here. Because I think we get there in number four. I think we still hold it together. But nothing is as tight as these first two. Like They're so close to each other that I feel like Kevin Williamson's able to keep the same vibe alive. Yeah. And especially with that big reveal, it just feels like such a horror fan's ending and Laurie Metcalf um, as Mrs. Loomis. She doesn't blink for like the whole third act and it's horrifying. <laughs> Great casting. Yeah, she was such a good villain in this series. Mm -hmm, so scary. And also the addition of Cotton from just being like a side character involved in the origin story to like showing up on campus and dealing with Sydney, that also changes the way this movie makes me feel because it sort of expands the world in such an unexpected way. You know, it's like, did you ever in a million years think that the character of Cotton Weary would come into the story at all? Yeah, it, that was definitely an interesting add-in. He wasn't in it as much as I thought looking at it now. Mm -hmm. He was super eerie in it though super creepy super yeah very scary i mean i guess you know i'm super obsessed with proving that he didn't do it and getting as much as he can out of it because he served here mm -hmm. because of her so i understand that so there's that i it's it's interesting that it's once again this whole whodunit like dewey coming to her college was kind of weird to me a little bit too because, you know, they hadn't seen each other in the two years or whatever since she had left. Yep. So just kind of this whole like, oh, everyone's coming here. Gail's here now. Someone dies and Gail comes running, you know, as Dewey says. Yeah. But that's exactly it. You know, like everyone has to get rounded up. And even though that's a little bit fishy in real life, I like the way it gets done here. You know, like get just because Gail was involved in the situation in Woodsboro has not stopped her career from going forward. You know, she sold her book adaptation. She's dyed her hair. She's headed towards 60 Minutes too, And the news is here. So she's got to be here and she gets to be involved. And there's something nice about Dewey showing up too, because it's kind of like Dewey and Sydney really only have each other now. You know, Sydney is an only child as far as we know. And Dewey's sister is dead. So I think there's something sweet about how they have each other through this. Just like they also have Randy, who sadly does not make it out of this one. Does not make it out of this one. How do you feel about that? What did you make of, of Randy like actually dying? 
I think that we should have kept him on till three. I think we should have kept it the survivors survivors longer. We should have kept him surviving through part three or we should have killed off Gail or Dewey in part three yeah i guess let's wrap up our discussion on two so we can slide into three because it is a little bit different and it has a different mission i just find it so notable that at the end of scream two you know it, it comes down to sydney facing billy's mother but then also facing cotton at the same time you know sort of having to reconcile that's again so much deeper than your average scary movie oh it's so fucked up and i think it's another reason why like this one ends up being my favorite overall it's just so fucking good it's so good that being said though i do love scream 3 so let's slide over there yeah in the final film the stab franchise is doing its third film and it returns to the past events in woodsboro and the true inciting incident that led to them cotton has become a self-help talk show host and doing gale have gone their separate ways and sydney's just been like living quietly in seclusion but you know working from home she hasn't really ended her life laurie strode style or anything as production begins on that third stab film so to do the murders so where are you on scream three are you a fan of this one um i also saw this movie on the first night yes same finally you know i i didn't hate it i it's not it's probably my least favorite of the franchise just because i think the big thing was they took us out of woodsboro which is fine for college but I think it was because it was all on a movie set. I think it could have gone so many which ways. It just could have gone so many different ways. Um, so it wasn't my favorite. With that said, I was surprised that they did it to me again. And Cotton died at the beginning. I didn't see that coming. Right? I mean, I can remember watching it. And when it opened with Cotton, I was like, I just like froze. Because I remember thinking, oh my God, they're going to kill Cotton. Cotton is the one dying. Like, I just remember feeling so shocked in that moment and like on the edge of my seat the whole time. And I guess I love Scream 3 because my favorite thing in the world are movies about making movies. Like just in general, I love movies about being in Los Angeles or on sets or whatever, whatever. Like those are my favorite shit. So for my favorite scary movie to sort of be doing that too, like for me, this is just full on fan service, Star Wars style. <laughs> This guy does his best, Aaron Kruger. You know, it's a different writer. We, we still have Wes Craven, so visually we're bringing the same storytelling. But I feel like the script does its best to try to tie a bow. Aaron Kruger is a really good writer, too, and figures out a way to not waste any lines. Oh, man, Parker Posey. Parker Posey. Getting to play Gail Weathers in the film. Ugh. There's just, there's like so much fun we continue to get to have in this franchise, which is crazy because it still stays scary. You know, like it camps up, but I'm still scared of that fool uh, during a lot of the scenes in this one. Oh, for sure. And then being named uh, Jennifer Jolie before we had all the issues with Jennifer Aniston and Angelina Jolie. Yeah, that was awkward. Man, is she good. But yeah, I, I like that we sort of had to go back to the beginning in the making of Stab so that we could stay on that studio lot because I did really love that we could go back to all of those same sets. You know, we like returned to Stu's house, which I think we're going to get to do. I loved that. Yeah, we went back to Sydney's house. Like we did what this franchise promised us all other times and we returned back to the beginning to learn about information that wasn't true from the get-go. And I love how well-rounded this is as a trilogy. Opening so strong with Cotton and, uh, you know, the new discovery that uh, the backstory of Sydney's mom is expansive. Yeah. Expansive enough for there to be in a prequel film or at least a series or something. And, you know, like all the cameos we get being in L.A., you know? Yeah. <laughs> Stupid Jenny McCarthy. I loved her. Destroying the world, but being great as Sarah Darling. Scott Foley, you know, playing the director. Lance Henriksen playing the, the horror producer. Emily Mortimer. Like, it's effing crazy how many people are in these movies. Yeah. Even a Jay and Silent Bob cameo. This one was just not, I guess I just, I'm like, I didn't have a lot to say about it. I like that they did take it back to the beginning. I thought it was really interesting, which does take me back to, I would love to see a prequel where we get, you know, Sydney's half-brother involved in yes. planning this. I mean, what's going on with his life? Yeah, I want to know more about what happened there. Because 
I love them confronting each other. You know, like this movie has a lot of really great scares. The chase on the soundstage is so good. You know, like redoing that original chase, but then with the new developments of it not being really where she is, like so good, just so well done. And then the big party at the end where there's like chases going through the house and secret passageways. And finally, you know, the screening room where she comes in contact with the killer and he says things like you know this is for everything you had that should have been mine yeah that's the show i want to see right like i want to understand more about what should have been his what is creating yeah what's making him go to a place where he's going to go try to find his birth mother and her rejection is going to make him want to kill her yeah i also thought what was a little weird was the dream sequence with sydney's mom Yeah, that's the one piece I don't love. That threw me off a little bit too. But I make space for because of trauma. You know, like that is one thing this franchise does good is not ignoring that like Sydney's been traumatized and in an appropriate way. Because like I said, yeah, she's living in seclusion in Scream 3, but it makes total sense. Oh, 100%. This guy has followed her across the country, so she's going to need to be smart. I mean, yeah, they were pretty realistic with that where, and I think we've talked about this in past episodes, like how, and we've seen it more recently with Laurie Strode mm-hmm. until they fucked up that storyline. Exactly. Where, you know, how does someone walk away from this? Like, what does life even look like now that someone's come after you twice? Yeah. Both your boyfriends are dead, ex-boyfriends. One was a killer. Yep. Your mom's dead. So what does life look like? So I think that that was the most true and honest thing to it. I mean, we definitely know from the outside and we know, I think they could only get Nev Campbell for like 21 days of filming or something. Is that true? Oh, man. Yeah. I'm glad she came. Yeah, I'm so glad she came. So I think that's why they couldn't. She wasn't in as much of it as we had wanted her to, which, you know, thus allowed for... Dewey and Gale to really take the lead. And for the world to continue to spread out too. Yeah, exactly. Dewey and Gale taking the lead stretches them out into final girl status. Yeah, which is fine. I definitely, the only thing that was kind of weird to me in this one is now that we're, now that we're in their world, we have the Woodsboro murders, Mm -hmm. and then we have the- Windsor College. Windsor College murders that she wrote a book on too. Right. At that point, I'm kind of like, that's weird, right? In that universe, like, oh, this woman's been attacked. Like, Gail's storyline as Final Girl is weird now because she's been attacked twice. She's capitalized on both, sold the movie rights. I mean, at this point, too, like, you got to think Dewey, Gail, Sydney, all of them are probably making so much money off of selling the rights to all of this. Well, that is a great segue for us to sort of close on Scream 3 and move to 4 because it does talk about that piece of it. You know, like I think in Scream 3 when Gail, when we catch up with Gail and she's making that speech at the college, like people are commenting on the fact that she's made a career off of like pretty heinous shit. You know, like that guy stands up and is like, was it worth it? Yeah. And that's a good question to ask because as we slide into Scream 4, now Sydney has had the opportunity to turn things around and maybe make some money off of what's happened to her. And so she wrote that book and it's very successful. But even Sydney has to be like, that's not why I wrote the book. And like, I don't want that money because Alison Brie, the genius as her publicist, is like trying to really like turn her into something more Gale oriented where she would get fame or get notoriety. And that's also like what Scream 3 is, is kind of nodding to that uh, Roman wanted the fame and the publicity and all of the stuff that she got. And that ends up being the motivation for Scream 4 also. So let's let's transition into Scream 4. Perfect. Okay, so fast forward to 2011 when the gang all gets back together for Scream 4. And years after the events of the first franchise, Sydney's written a book, like I just mentioned, about her experience. And she returns to Woodsboro as the final stop on her book tour. And just as she returns, her cousin Jill becomes the target of a killer that Sydney's familiar with, aka Ghostface. So how do you feel about this reboot? You know, did you think there was more after the first three? I love this reboot. I thought that it was really interesting. I... I saw this the first night as well read who the killer was prior to going into the movie just because i couldn't wait oh i'm not going to for this one for this one it's so interesting because in 2011 we were really at the cusp of getting into social media reality tv and just you know becoming famous for doing nothing not doing nothing but really relying on your personality to be that yes 
that to be the influencer, we were, we weren't even at the point where influencers were influencers yet, but just being at that cusp. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of cool for scream and the motive of spoiler alert, Jill Roberts, the motive to be that. So I, I, th I thought it was really ahead of its time because we weren't quite there yet. Now, if this storyline were to be in it today, I'm like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. So yep. it was definitely ahead of its time for it, but I loved it. I thought this ensemble was great. So good. So good. We took it back to Woodsboro, yep. which I love. We put it back in a high school setting, which I loved. Yes. And it was just a constant whodunit the entire time. Again, right. It had all of the best parts of the original franchise back in action and also doing what the original franchise focused on, which was commenting on kind of the social element and just staying present with the teenagers it's dealing with. You know, in the original three, it was sort of like violence in cinema is what the teens are facing and what's getting in their way. And in Scream 4, it's social media and how it's affecting teens unhealthily. All the same things are there, and yet we get this new age kind of vibe where we've got webcams to Gail's hidden camera. We've got snappy kids who do whatever the fuck they want. We have seven stab movies. It sort of does everything that you want out of a reboot and doesn't jump the shark, in my opinion. Like, I still found it surprising that it was Jill. I did not see Emma Roberts as the killer, but I'm so glad that she is. Yeah, I was so glad. I, you know, I definitely, it was interesting, you know, putting Gail back in Woodsboro. She had left her career to marry Dewey, who's now the sheriff. Yep. It definitely made me feel like she was for sure overstepping her, the line when, you know, now that Dewey is the sheriff, there are these murders going on. Yep. You, it was, it was weird trying to keep it all connected. I feel like there's, in retrospect, when I watched it this time, I was thinking Gail, she either needed a transition or they needed to do to figure something out. Yeah. Because I feel like the problem in their marriage in Scream 4 has a lot to do with the fact that Gail did have to give her career up. You know, like you were saying, she had written those books and she'd made a lot of money off of this tragedy. And so I think maybe that's why she decided to go back to Woodsboro with uh, Dewey to try to do something different. But it's like, what Gail does well is crime. Uh, reporting yeah you know it's like that's what she does well and the only way for her to do both of those things is if there's murder going on in Woodsboro which thankfully there is and I guess I would have thought she'd like run for city council or some shit something like wouldn't you think she'd be like the mayor of Woodsboro now like being like I'm gonna get this crime stopped you know <laughs> Some shit like that. Yeah, involved. Which was also something after rewatching Scream 3 that really fucking annoyed me. So Gail and Dewey aren't together in Scream 3. They broke up. They tried it. It didn't work. Right. And he's dating, or it's insinuated he's sleeping with, dating, whatever, with Jen Jolie. Yeah, with uh, Parker Posey. Then they break up. She dies. And then at the end of part three, they're engaged. Yeah, he proposes to her uh, with with the Woodsboro murders. He uses the Woodsboro murders book and puts a ring inside of it. And it's true. It seems weird. It seems like too much of a bow on the end. Yeah. But I guess that's why I'm grateful that they don't, they didn't try to make it like they walked off into the sunset. You know, all those problems are were still there. Yeah. And I'm very interested to kind of see where that goes. Do you want to pivot to our predictions as we kind of near the end here? And, yeah. You know, anything else you want to mention about number four? With four, I, Wes Craven said it and I believe it. Kirby did not die. She fucking better not have. So I'm hoping, I, I still think we're going to get her back. I don't know how, but I do believe we're going to get some sort of. We better. Surprise, I, which is a great pivot over to Scream 5. You know, with, with this new film, Scream 5 or Scream. What are you excited for? What are your predictions, ideas, theories? Like, what do you think is in store for us? I mean, honestly, I have no clue. I've tried very hard to stay away from spoilers. I really have only watched just the trailers as they've been released. And I'm just trying to like go in as fresh as I can and receive whatever they want to give to me because I... Like we've talked about this whole conversation, I love this franchise so much. It's so special to me. I don't want to change the way I feel about it from this movie not, you know, doing it the service it deserves. But I do trust Nev Campbell. She's here. Her acting looks like it always has, which I love. Let's go. Yeah. 
I'm interested in a lot of the young performers that are in this cast. Yeah. So I'm really excited there. I'm just hoping they can make it a little smaller. It feels like in Scream 4, they were really struggling to keep the story from being this like world news, even though it kind of is. And I'm hoping that in Scream 5, it can be a little bit more small scale the way the first Scream was, you know, the way the second Scream was, where it was like, is this actually about us? Oh, shit, it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think there for sure is a beauty to it. Um, I've tried to not read any spoilers or if there was a script that was leaked, I've tried to just avoid Googling it. Mm -hmm. I do love what they've done with social media this time. And I don't know if you ended up seeing how, you know, there's been there. It's all ads for sure from the movie for publicity, but like, you know, taking aim at Gail Weathers and how they've kind of Gail Weathers has also turned, you know, the 1996 murders into it's become a true crime special now 25 years later. So yes, so it's definitely cool seeing it in that reality. Of course. Like, which is why I probably love Stab so much, where it's like looking at it from an outside perspective as if it really happened. Yes. I mean, again, another signifier that this is something great rather than just a standard movie or just another slasher. This movie has the kinds of uh, Easter eggs and the kinds of roots that uh, all the big properties would have, you know, all the ones that fans love to pour over. Scream is just like that. And I like, I'm so grateful to see it continue. And I'm just really glad that Nev Campbell gets to return. I've been thinking so much about, you know, who's the best final girl in light of Same. how much I really feel like Laurie Strode has just been mistreated and totally abandoned. Oh, yeah. I think we both agree on Laurie Strode. Sydney Prescott is the best final girl of all time, in my opinion. Yeah. A total survivor, an assertive girl who kind of goes after what she wants and trusts her intuition. 100%. And doesn't give up, you know, isn't scared. She starts challenging the killer in Scream 2. I mean, in Scream 1 even, you know, like right away at the end of that movie, the second they're not looking, she's ready to defend herself. She throws that suit on and fucking kills them first. Yeah. She's been doing that every single time and I hope she does it once more. Same. It'll be interesting. I think with this one... It's 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 a blessing and it's a curse that Wes Craven's no longer here. Yeah. It's sad he's no longer here. I think they obviously the, there is this you listen or you read all the things about the actors wishing that, you know, they missed his presence on set. But I think, you know, with him not being a part of this new one, they're able to really start over and you get that that feeling you were talking about with the first and second one where it's not it doesn't have to be huge. You don't have to top four or you know you don't have to top it. You just you're starting over and I think it's been cool seeing you see it with all the ads. It's kind of, I think, interesting, too, because Let's I watched go. this with the Halloween Kills reboot, how, you know, in a way, they almost had to tell this very new audience, this new generation, hey, this is what's happened in the past. If you if you weren't around for Halloween H20 20 years ago, you know, Gen Z mm -hmm. or any of these other ones, you wouldn't know that this is a huge franchise. And Scream kind of is, I think, in a really creative way showing, hey, this is part of something bigger, but this is also something new. It's not counting itself short. Why would you want to turn people away from anything that you've made? You know, it's like, why do you want to ignore any piece? This is a whole world that someone's built for you. You know, enjoy it. And Scream fans are doing such a cool job making it even bigger with this true crime element and like taking the social media and Scream 4 and making it personal today. I just feel like it is unlike any other horror franchise and I, I'm excited I just oh, I'm, I hope it's good I really hope it's good <laughs> same do you think that who do you think who's your prediction on who's gonna die from the final three from the final three <sighs> Gail Sydney or Dewey I mean I think Gail and Dewey have to die together they have to die. Their characters, Dewey's been dead for like 20 years and their characters yeah. just need to go and they kind of need to go together, like saving each other or something. I don't want Sydney to go. I'll be real sad if Sydney has to die. But I think I can let go of Gail and Dewey. Like they did what they needed to do to protect her. They tried their best to keep Sydney safe, but she can handle herself now. And now, you know, let's see what the motives are here because I don't even know why these killings are starting up again. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah. Yeah. It's always someone you know, I think is what it is. Right. Right. I think that I thought 
at the beginning of this, when it was first coming out, I was set on Dewey's the Killer. Now, after we've actually seen trailers and stuff, I don't know if Dewey's the Killer, I think we're going to get surprised and Gail's going to die. I don't know if Dewey's going to die, but I feel like Gail's going to die. I'm surprised they brought Judy, Detective Judy or whatever, into into Scream 5. They don't ever do that as a thing. We've had so many people I know. survive that were such minor characters that were just left in that movie. I'm thinking of... The detectives in Scream 3. Well, I guess if they, it's 10 years later. But I mean, there's just been so many minor people. Like the camera guy in Scream 2 wasn't brought on to Scream 3. Yeah. So I'm surprised they brought on Judy Hicks to part 4. Part of me thinks that she's brought on to be killed at the beginning. I mean, she is a Scream queen. You know, like Marley Shelton. That's her name, I'm pretty sure. She is a total stream, a Scream queen. So yeah. I feel like she, it could be cool to see her go. But I think also they, they were planting seeds with her in Scream 4. You know, she creeps up on Sydney in the hallway upstairs when she's like, you don't remember me from high school, do you? Oh, so eerie. Yeah. So like, there's something going on with Hicks. Well, I definitely think that what we've been given for the trailer is not what the movie is. I just truly believe that the first, what they lead us to believe happens at the very beginning isn't. It happens, maybe, but it doesn't happen at the beginning. Oh, my God, I'm getting myself so amped up. I know, I know, I know. Now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, there's no way with this new you know, group of actors in here that I just don't think they lead us to believe. Who are the list? There's this one actress right now who's really big. Well, there is Barrera from In the Heights who's going to be there. And also Jenna Ortega. Jenna Ortega. So Jenna Ortega... I think she might go first, actually. See, I thinking about it now, I'm like, that scene could be in any part of the movie. That's true. That's a good point. I mean, it could also be in Stab 12. Like, they could be like, oh, there's a reboot of Stab happening. There's so much that they can do whatever they want with that I, I'm getting really amped as well. And I know that based off of, I don't know if you, I don't think I'm giving anything too much away from here, but I think, you know, it's just based off of when you look at Scream 5, you know, Randy's sister's in this. Let's go, Martha Meeks. Yeah, she's in it. I know that two of the children have the last name Meeks, so. Here we go. We're going to be connected. We're going to be connected. We're doing basically the Descendants and Young Avengers, like all the properties are doing nowadays where they just have another generation. Yeah. Scream's getting to do that, and it's because it's fucking royalty. It is the royalty of the horror genre, and... God, I still love it. Um, Any final comments before we wrap up? I'm just excited to see, you know, when we leave this film, where do we go from here? Yep. So I hope that they set lay down a really awesome foundation because I love the Scream franchise. I want it. I want it to continue. Same. I think it's been really strong and that doesn't happen a lot this far down the line. So I think that I, uh, yeah, I hope they don't kill. I hope. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. I'm very excited for it. I hope they lay the foundation down for scream two and scream three or scream six and scream seven. Right. Right. Same, same. I am with you. I hope they're able to do uh, what the first one was able to do for us, uh, for this generation, whatever that looks like. I am open, optimistic and uh, hopeful. So let's do this. Okay, that about wraps it up for us. Thank you again for listening in and talking with us about the Scream franchise. We'll be back together live on Monday with our reactions to the newest film, Scream. Be sure to follow us on Instagram. Stay up to date with all of our content. I'm at RobAlex86 and she's at Movies. And find us on Spotify or any of your preferred podcasting platforms. All right. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time on What's Your Favorite Scary Movie?